On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about going 4-0 and against the Atlanta Falcons. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod and our new website, PackersPodcast.com. Blitz picked up. Rodgers has his man, the tight end, Tanyan for the touchdown. Robert Tanyan on the receiving end, 19-yard score, and make it three consecutive games with a touchdown catch for Tanyan. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Tanyan. Believers saw this coming, stayed woke. Alexander all over Ridley like smoke. Crosby's miss was such a good practical joke. Rogers feed in Atlanta liquid diet so they wouldn't choke on the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan. Always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Guys, I feel so good. I feel so like <laughs> I, I just hit fast forward. I'm ready for the rest of the season now. Like this is so much fun to watch. Yeah, I I was nervous going into last night, but mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, going in. Away. No Rashawn Gary, no Kenny Clark, no Mercedes Lewis, no Devontae Adams. Shepard's called up off the practice squad. Beagleton's called up off the practice squad. You're like, ugh, Falcons should be able to hang with us, right? And then the game starts, and you're just like, oh, man. We've faced some bad opponents, but we might just be really good on top of that. Yeah, the, this this game kind of felt like the Minnesota game where you saw it, and if you only looked at the the score alone, you'd be like, hmm, Atlanta hung in there, uh, just like the Vikings. But I, this game could have been an absolute murdering. And I, oh I know God. that we talked about the injuries on our side. They were beyond banged up. Mm-hmm. Um, but final score, 30-16. to 16. Rodgers doing Rodgers things again. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. Robert Tanyan out of freaking nowhere, pushing the hundred yard mark with three touchdowns. The Darius three sacks, five QB hits. Uh, Alexander just doing Alexander things. So, what do you guys want to start with? Should we talk about our offense or our defense first? Yeah, I was just gonna say, pick your like, topic. I don't even I know. Got, <laughs> I, I, want, I want to <laughs> start with the say. offense. I want to start with the <laughs> offense. He Rogers went twenty for twenty throwing to running backs and the tight ends in this game like what the heck like seeing both running backs aaron jones and jamal williams in the backfield it got me really excited boys and boy did it work it it, the run pass option with those two in the backfield the the linebackers had no clue what to do um i mean you saw aaron jones run free into the end zone on the first uh, touchdown pass they they had no idea who they were covering most of the night i mean even going into the second half it continued to happen um so what what is showing what is showing by our offense yeah the the play calling is so much fun to watch and it was i mean it was like picking on little brother with that atlanta defense being so banged up but there was a play the broadcast showed where two of the atlanta defenders run into each other so we had three guys running wide open. Two were on the far right side, and Rodgers actually threw to the short guy on the left. And it's like we had our uh, – like pick your poison. We had our option to do whatever we wanted on that play. The play calling is so exciting. You know, before the season started, I said the game of the year is going to be week nine against the 49ers. 
that game, like I want to hit record on the DVR. I'm going to want to rewatch it 1400 times because those two coaches calling plays against each other is still going to be the highlight of the year for me. And I think it, my initial point still stands. That's still going to be the most telling game of the year. It, can we scheme our guys open against a coach that knows what we're doing? Because so far, LaFleur's play calling has been next level. If it weren't for – let's put it this way. If it weren't for Atlanta's 20-play, 10-and-a-half-minute drive, how how much statistics do you think we put up? I mean, Rodgers still had 327 and four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah and, they, and we didn't have that fourth down conversion. Either. Yeah, we were on the goal line. Uh, and that's where I was. That's my only point to say I I'm not going to even dig deep into it because I feel like it, it comes off all too often inside the five yard line. My trust level with this team somehow is at the lowest than when they start at like the 40. Like I'm just I, I there is something about our O line is so good. Until we get into the kind of deep, deep trenches yeah. of the red zone and it just starts falling apart. I, I don't know how you can be on the four inch line and decide to go out a shotgun to Jamal. Like I just I hate when we do this kind of stuff so yeah. damn much. But uh, I mean, other than that, Dan, I think you bring up a great point that we're looking at it like 30 points, which is still awesome. But if we score there, if we get the ball back again with that, you know, time taken off by Atlanta. And then that first drive out of the the gates in that second half was probably one of our worst called drives uh, that I yeah. can remember in a Forgot long, long time. 100%. It just, it felt weird. It felt like we were trying to get cute. It just was a, an awkward situation. So those are three prime examples that we, we probably put more points on the board. So again, 14 point win in the NFL is, is prime. But this game could have gotten out of hand way faster, and uh, unfortunately it didn't. But we stayed healthy, and we did it without huge weapons between Lazard and Adams. So I can't say anything more kind of good about what happened there. Yeah, you called out if there's going to be one thing to call out on the offense, the running game on short downs, on, on, on down and short to go. Uh, needs help. It, the fact they're doing it out of shotgun, they're they're letting penetration happen. I want to go back yet and just watch who essentially got drowned out. You know who who got jumped off the snap and and let all that penetration happen. But uh, you were on this earlier in the year, and and I sort of pushed back saying you know don't worry about it just yet. But once again, so you got pushed back like the RO line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, without watching the film. I'm I'm fearful that of course it's probably coming from the right side of the line, but I'm fearful it's Billy Turner who who no one has been a fan of on this podcast. So uh, I'll go back and look and report back in our bye week, um, but th- that's got to be addressed. I mean, our red zone efficiency numbers are still pretty solid, but we're missing easy opportunities. Well, it, I I wouldn't even put it all on the players. Um, Lafleur is not himself when we get within the five yard line. He starts calling plays we never have run before. Um, he starts calling things that we only run maybe once a week because it's in his red zone package. I, I don't understand why you change the script so much. Um, I, I mean, I get it. They pack the box, but wh- where is play action rollouts to the tight yeah, ends? Um, I, I just I just don't understand where the simple red zone plays are. Like, let's start simple. And then if we can do that, then let's start throwing in some other, you know, formations and stuff. But 
it, it just doesn't make any sense what they're trying to do in the red zone. You're right. The it, it, I wouldn't say red zone. I would say the the fourth and short. That's I mean, true. That, fourth that's, and short. Yeah. That's where the issue is. But you're right. Where where's the motion behind the line of scrimmage on those downs? Why are we acting like a power team in those situations? Exactly. Exactly. It, and it was interesting because Deguro was back. He didn't look right. Then obviously he was helped off in in a way that made it seem like we're about to hear soon that he's on a three week IR because they're just like <laughs> oh, I hope not. Yeah. I I just he wasn't quite there and. It's it's just tough, and I know myself included is so excited for Dylan, uh, which hurt even more when Dylan starts the next series on like our twenty, where it's like, all right, we have enough confidence for him to run three plays when we're 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 on our own twenty, but within this five yard space, we can't give it to him at least once. But we'll get there. Jamal Williams, yo, I mean, Jamal, rushing wise wasn't there, but he. All these passes, I wish I would know the uh, air yards because it all seemed like there were five yards to him, and then he just went. And I, I, I Dan, you you brought it up. This thought of, I think we always assumed Jamal Williams wasn't a long term plan, and especially with Dylan, but with his likability and his his chances of just doing stuff outside, it's just man, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. So. I laid down on the couch uh, earlier today, and I thought to myself, if you were GM of the Green Bay Packers, how do you get Aaron Jones re-signed while you still want Bakhtiari and Kevin King? And then I thought to myself, what if – here's a curveball or a changeup or a, a Cephas, whatever pitch you want to throw. What if you re-sign Jamal Williams for a third of the money, theoretically – and you let go of Aaron Jones. Great guy. Hard to break that news to the team. But Jamal has shown he's a damn good back. And it, now that hypothetical scenario was me playing GM in my head, and that world only happens in Madden, so that doesn't really count. I'd rather have Aaron Jones. But this team, guys, all the personalities we're seeing, and this comes to mind since we're talking Jamal Jones, the the primetime Jair, the Aaron Rodgers putting out quotes that, you know, his bad seasons are other quarterbacks career years. Uh, Jamal Williams dancing pregame and then running like a bulldozer down the middle of the field. This is a team that needs to get the press coverage at the national level. And if they continue this way, knock on wood, injury free, I'm looking at their schedule. And I know I said 10 and six, but boy, I want to redo that prediction. A lot of the games that look tough just don't look tough anymore. I mean, this this team is primed to stay somewhat healthy, and I hope we see them against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl at this point. Yeah, I mean, you guys talking Jamal Williams. I mean, he had more snaps than Aaron Jones in this game. Um, seeing the field more than yeah. a star. That was weird. So that's that's interesting. I mean, it was he was out there more for passing purposes, I believe. But um, but yeah, what what a pleasure. I, you know, we've been saying all year, do not take this backfield for granted. And you haven't even we haven't even seen A.J. Dillon yet. Supposedly, I guess he's a little overweight and needs to drop a few. But I mean, they're not even including a guy. Wait, 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 wait. Where did you read that? They they said it on the broadcast last night. And uh, Lafleur uh, said that about A.J. Dillon, that he needed to drop a few pounds. Hmm. He's, but, he's eating, uh, eating up them fried cheese curds. I, I, I guess so. He's he's up up north drinking all the beer and cheese. 
Um, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> the dude was like the most cut. We we're talking about how physically fit he was. That's an interesting comment. I didn't catch that. No, yeah, they said it on. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but they said it on air. But anyways, um, but MBS. I wanted to bring up MBS a little bit because we're we're ranting and raving about the tight ends and running backs. But MBS actually impressed me because he actually caught balls in traffic. Um, he he ran decent routes um, and and was doubled most of the game. But, I mean, he, he still produced four for 45. Um, I, I think he got two tough first down uh, catches. Um, so, I, I mean, it's very uh, – it, it's good to see that type of growth also. To me, he showed he wasn't – he's not a number one. He, no, he couldn't, no, no. He can't get your back shoulder throw. He, he couldn't get that slant route that Devontae catches 90% of, right? But it, but he, he did his job for – we weren't expecting 330 yards passing and four touchdowns, and – he made sure that the tight ends could open up, and that, that's all we could ask for from him. Yep. I will say one nice little thing about the Atlanta defense. Uh, number 45, is it Olkun? Is that who it is? That guy's a man. Like, when he hits people, <laughs> it's unreal how hard he hits people. So, Atlanta, you had that one really good player. Uh, <laughs> hope, hope things work out. So, let's turn it attention to our defense. Uh, the big stat getters. Zadarius Smith with the three sacks we mentioned, Alexander holding Ridley, Ridley to zero catches. But I want to start with this guy who surprised me, and I was not prepared for it, as much so as Tanyan going off. Raven Green made some plays yesterday, boys. Oh. Yeah, finally. Um. Right. <laughs> hi, this is, hi, this is Dan Finn, and I'd like to start my apology tour. Earlier in previous episodes of Pack It Up Podcast, I talked negatively about one Tyler Irvin and two Raven Green. And in the previous evening's football contest, both looked pretty good. This was my apology tour. (laughs) Yeah, Raven Green looked great. Um, Playing 71% of the snaps also. Um, But I was super impressed by how quickly he was diagnosing the plays. I mean, Atlanta's offensive line was not great, so let's let's not like float our boat too high. But what we did see, they executed very well. And I mean, he got into the backfield uh, on run plays. He was back there on passing plays, uh, get, get, getting one sack. Um, so I, I was very impressed with how quickly he was playing. He was looking fast. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it, the whole secondary: Savage gets hurt, Redmond gets hurt, King gets hurt. Chanding gets a concussion. Jair, would you expect that Calvin Ridley gets nothing? His previous yeah, wow. three games, 130 yards, 109 yards, 110 yards. Against us, zero catches, zero yards. And I know Julio wasn't right, obviously, by, by leaving uh, really before the first half and missing the entire second half. But credit to that secondary. And it was guys like Redmond coming back in. Savage came back in. But Raven Green comes in and just – fills the shoes of these starters and, and flies around the field and makes plays. And at the end of the day, I think you got to give so much credit to the coaching because we have shown so much depth that what they did season and training camp and up through the first four weeks, our team is somewhat healthy again, knock on wood compared to a lot of other teams in the NFL. So thank you, strength and conditioning coaches. But then we're, we've put in 
Chris Barnes at middle linebacker, and he looks good. We've put in Raven Green, like our fourth and fifth safety, and they're making plays. Like They didn't just coach the stars and hope that the rest of the guys keep up. They coached all 53 on the active roster mm-hmm. and then the practice squad because that's shown valuable, and we're 4-0 because of it. And it, it gives me so excited about the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point, the young guys. What about this defensive line? I mean, no Kenny Clark, no Gary. Um, most of the time we only had four people rushing, um, and we were causing pressure. I mean, that was a huge reason why our secondary, you know, was so good and spotlighted on because we were creating Matt Ryan, you know, having to hurry, having to rush a little bit, get out of the pocket. He had to throw on the run. Calvin Ridley was wide open in the end zone, but we forced him to the right and he didn't have the arm. He doesn't have the arm strength anymore to whip it that far. If he's standing in the pocket, that's probably a touchdown. So just overall play. And, and the guys on the defense line, dude, two young guys that really impressed me, Kiki and Garvin. Um, I, I mm-hmm. was very impressed by both of their plays. Kiki was all over the place. Run, run support, pass rush, uh, getting in front of Matt Ryan. Garvin was doing great on setting the edge. I mean, he's no, he's no flashy player by any means, but he gets the job done when somebody needs a breather. Um, and then – I, I don't even know how to say this, but Lancaster had a good game. I mean, he, he hung in there, boys. He hung you in bite, the You bite your tongue. <laughs> he really did. He, he played all right. No, I agree. I mean, every, everything you just said, I agree. What's, what's interesting is that if I'm going to pick a weak spot on the defense or a spot that I think is underperforming, I'm going to be hard on Zadarius, even with his statistical production, and Preston yeah. Smith. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gurley still made some plays. Uh, tackling was still poor in the run game. But Zadarius had three sacks, but it really felt like he's picking his spots. And whether it's a health thing or a motor thing, I don't want to throw a man under the bus that leads the NFL in sacks. But I saw him get blocked one-on-one in the run game by a tight end at one point, and they were running his way. And then Preston, I was excited to watch him not have to drop into coverage and be able to focus on the run and rushing the passer. And he he made no impression last night. He he, I don't, I don't remember a play he made. So those two guys, I mean, if if those are the guys you need to show up, then you know hopefully they're they're doing the veteran move of pacing themselves early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little bit let down by them. But at this point, for four weeks in a row, I've been saying insert team here is trash. Vikings, Kirk Cousins, trash. Lions, no Kenny Galladay, trash. Saints. Breeze ain't the same. Michael Thomas is out. Defense is bad. Trash. Falcons, they're still trash. I think Quinn should be fired. It sounds like he might not be, which is wild. But at this point, we've handled our business. We're 4-0. and We got a bye week at a great time. A lot of guys get to heal up. We got a chance to make an awesome run here, and I hope the fan base just enjoys what we're seeing. Yeah, and going off as a Darius, I wanted to bring up another point. You know, He had three sacks, but he also had all three of our penalties. Um, and two of them were at key points in the game um, where we would have either had them punt or gotten the ball. So, I mean, I mean, he's just not like you're saying him and Preston just Preston looked a lot better in this game than the past games. At least he was causing some disruption, especially in the run game. Um, but overall, like that's why I'm so impressed by this defense is because those two aren't doing anything and every and we're still right on where we were last year. So it's good to see. Um, but I wanted to bring up a point. These two inside linebackers, Chris Barnes and Ty Summers, 
I, I think if Christian Kirksey comes back, I don't know. I think I think Petten definitely needs to think about who he should start. Mm-hmm. Ty Summers mm-hmm. and nah. Chris Barnes as a team <laughs> together, I think, look better on the field than Christian Kirksey. Mm, no, nice try. Yeah. No, <laughs> hey. no, I think you got to give him time. I mean, it really, it's it was Kirksey's been in for two and a half games, so I I I would give him a little bit of time. I don't think that we necessarily saw Barnes coming on this strong, but I think it's premature to say Kirksey. It is a little premature, and it's the Atlanta Falcons, which looked awful. Their offensive line looked awful. And Kirksey was second or third in the league in tackles. I know that's part scheme, and and we still say Blake Martinez leads the league in tackles, but, I mean, Kirksey wasn't not doing his job. Yeah, but Chris Chris Barnes put himself in position. I mean, just in – I mean, this guy was an undrafted trying, free agent. I think what you're trying to say is you're really impressed with Chris Barnes, and he adds a lot of valuable depth to the All middle. Right, that, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it is interesting, though, because if you look at defensive stats, like all the team defensive stats, the only stat in which the Packers rank in the top 10 is rushing yards against per game, wow. which we I would not have guessed. Well, when you uh, score 40 a game. They got to start throwing. Yeah, they have to That's start true. throwing it, but but uh, it goes back to offense helping defense and and vice versa. But four and zero, which I don't think any of us planned on being at this position. Hell think, no. Uh, Dan two and two. I think Josh and I were phoning around three and one. But it's it's awesome to get to this by. It does sound as we are recording this that Deguara might be done for the season with a knee injury. So that's just uh, broke news. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, just broke news. LaFleur said, unfortunately, it looks to be a pretty bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So that's unfortunate. I, I guess the one good thing is we really haven't seen him. Other than that first game, he, he hasn't really been a part of it. So it sucks, uh, but it is what it is. And, and hopefully, as we mentioned, Adams should be back. Clark should be back. A lot of these guys that I think they took out as just kind of security reason in this Falcons game, we should pretty close to being 100% by Buccaneers in two weeks. Yeah. So, so that will do it for this podcast. We will catch everybody end of this week. We'll try to figure out something to do for this bye week. But until then, thanks, everybody. Go back, go.